Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Today, as we look at the phrase, you belong here, we should clarify where here is. How are we using here? I say that because I think there are places in context that I would imagine you would not want to hear that phrase. For instance, if you were visiting or you were visiting a prison, I would imagine that as you're there in that facility, you wouldn't want to hear those three words, you belong here. Maybe uh, if you've ever been in a mental facility, I have, but if you were ever in a long-term mental facility, I imagine you wouldn't ever want to hear those three words, you belong here. Crack house? No, thank you. You wouldn't want to hear, you belong here. What about some others that you wouldn't want to hear? Anybody got some ideas this morning? Anybody? Hospital? What did you say, Pastor? Yeah, not PG rated. So we need to talk about what we mean by here. But before we do, I bet there are places and contexts that I would imagine you would be okay with hearing you belong here. How about a Braves box suite? Hey now, you belong here. Any Falcons box suite say, I'd, I'd be okay to hear the phrase, you belong here. And then last, but yes, maybe least, the Hawks box suite. You belong here. Or what about the group that's going on a trip to Italy? Would you like to hear from that group? You belong here. What's some other places and context that you'd want to hear those three words? You belong here. Israel trip. Amen. All right. We'll give you a week to think about that. So we're clarifying here up front today. Here first means here on earth. Now this is important. It sounds simple, but it's not so simple. Because the profound problems that we see on the earth comes back to this simple reality of neglecting and moving away from what oftentimes those of us that are now in the church or in Christ take for granted. Is that here means here on earth. See, You and I as humans, we were created to inhabit and to live on the earth for eternity. And that we will do. That those that are in Christ will for eternity inhabit and live on the new earth. Do you know that for eternity we're not going to live in heaven? Because humans were not created to live in heaven. We were created to be here on earth and for eternity we will be. Now, those believers who have already uh, passed away and are in heaven, they're there temporarily until this age and the age to come finishes and the new heavens and the new earth are created. Here's the point. You belong on earth. You belong here. You know what that also means? That means your purpose is here. Your purpose is here on earth. Earth. So here means here on earth. Secondly, 
Here means here at this time. Can I humbly remind and tell you that things would not be better for you in the past? That if you lived in the past, things would not be better? Or if you lived in a far distant future, in future generations, things wouldn't be better? Listen to me. You were not born in the wrong generation. You were not born at the wrong time, in the wrong place, or in the wrong nation. You not only belong here on earth, but you belong here at this time. Sometimes people imagine and fantasize because it's easy to imagine because you can obviously escape what is real or what is reality. So, but sometimes people imagine if I only lived back then, in that time, in that area, things would be so much better. All right, you know what? I would be so much more godly or, or accomplish great things. No, you belong here at this time. In Acts 17, 26, Paul says, And he has made, he being God, from one blood every nation of men. That's persons. That's not men like male. It's humans. To dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. So you are purposed by God. You have a God-given purpose. And that God-given purpose is for here at this time. Can I hear an amen? So here on earth, here at this time, and also here with God. So as humans, we were created to be here on earth. And God has purposed you to be here at this time. But we weren't just to be here amongst ourselves. We were to be here with God. God In Genesis 2.15, they'll put it up, but it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Here with God means we are to be here with a relationship with God. We are to be here on earth, here at this time, with a dependency on God. Here means here with and in God's presence. To not do life on your own. To not journey on this earth where you belong on your own. But you belong in God's presence. So here on earth, here at this time, here with God, but then also here with others. It's amazing because you would think that being here with God and God's presence would be sufficient. But God says that's not sufficient because God designed us to not just be alone but also to be here with others. God has designed that when it, talk, when, when it comes to you belong here, here also means with others. In Genesis 2.18, the very next verse of what we just read says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. You belong in relationships with others. I, you, we belong in relationships with others. So if we are here to be here on earth and we're here at this time and we're to be here with God and here with others, what happened? What has went wrong? Well, Genesis 3 and verse 6 says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. 
she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Here we see an important point today. Sin will make you feel you don't belong. See, when we talk about you belong here, you and I were created to belong here on earth. We were created to belong in God's presence, to here on earth walk with God and to walk with others. And yet now we see that because of sin, Adam and Eve have the eyes of both of them opened. Listen to me. You and I now see things we were never intended to see. What has went wrong on this earth is because of sin. You and I see things we were never intended to see. We were never created and intended to see murder. To hear stories of incest and abuse, violence, rage, addiction, lying and cheating and scandals. Listen to me. There are things now that we see that we were never ever to be aware of or have the knowledge of. See, we know things now we were never intended to know. And a result of those facts I just mentioned is that sin uses them to make us feel we don't belong. The things that we now see that we were never intended to see, the things that you and I now know that we were never intended to know, Sin uses that knowledge and makes you and I feel we don't belong. See, you and I know standards now that we weren't intended to know. We know standards of right and wrong and evaluations. We know standards now of so-called beauty and so-called comparisons. And now sin uses these standards and makes us feel like we do not belong. We don't have enough. We're not smart enough. We're not attracted enough. We're not popular enough. Sin makes you and I feel like we don't belong. Here is Adam and Eve and they're experiencing shame because of their sin. They're afraid and hiding. But what are they hiding from? They're now hiding here on earth where they were created to be. They're hiding and ashamed in the place that God created them to be. And they're hiding from their God-given purpose and assignment. And they're hiding from God's voice and God's presence that they were created to walk with, listen with, and follow. What do we see? They're hiding from all the very things that belong to the reality and reasons of their very existence. This is what sin does. Sin will make you and I feel like we don't belong. Have you ever thought when God asked them, who told you? that you were naked. Have you ever answered that question? Who told them? Satan didn't tell them. Who told them? Where did this knowledge now come from? It came from their sin. 
And the result of that sin is now they know things they were never intended to know. There now is a conscience that you and I experienced that we were never to experience. A conscience of evaluations and standards and not measuring up. And sin now uses this conscience and this awareness and this measurement to say, listen, you don't belong. So now we feel because of sin we don't belong. And the fact that we've all have sinned, we all now feel the effects of this sin of feeling at times that we don't belong. And I'm not just talking about intentional sin, not like the sins that you committed a sin yesterday and that's why you don't feel like you belong. No, I'm talking about the fact that you have sinned before, that we've all sinned. That reality and the effect of that reality is it seeks to make us feel that we don't belong. I think of the story of Moses and the mountain and the multitude. You know, God raised up a deliverer to be used of him named Moses. And he goes and he marches God's people that he's forming and calling to himself, the nation of Israel, out of Egypt. And he brings them to the mountain that God promised Moses that he would bring them to. And in Exodus 19 and verse 11, you have the giving of the the law of the Ten Commandments. But God tells Moses in Exodus 19, 11, And let them, the people, be ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Watch this. You shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. Then it came to pass on the third day, verse 16, in the morning, that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain, and the sound of the trumpet was very loud, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God. Notice that. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole multitude quaked greatly, the whole mountain. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. And Moses went up and the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to gaze at the Lord and many of them perish. Also let the priests who come near the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. But Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, Set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. Here we see the effects of sin. Notice God's intent was to bring the multitude close to the mountain because God wanted to speak with them. God wanted to encounter them. But because of sin, there needed to be boundaries and distinctions. Moses was able, by God, to go up the mountain. But the people couldn't go up the mountain, but God still desired to have a relationship with them. What we learn in this Old Testament type is the difference between roles and functions. Because of sin, there are now roles and functions. There's callings and giftings that are different. But it's not that God excludes wanting to have a relationship with all of us. It's that God has different roles and functions for us because of sin. The issue is, is because of sin, you and I allow 
the roles and the boundaries and the distinctions to make us feel like we don't belong at all hearing God's voice. Have you ever, because you said, well, you know what, I'm not the owner of the company. Or you say, well, you know what, have you ever been a female? Say, well, because I'm not a male. Have you ever said as a follower of Christ, well, because I've never been to seminary uh, or like, like Pastor Craig or, or because I'm not a pastor. Have you ever allowed roles and distinctions and boundaries for sin to use those distinctions to make you feel like you don't belong? See, in Exodus 19.6, God had already told them, look, I want you all to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Meaning, God wanted a relationship with all of them, but because of sin, there needed to be boundaries and distinctions and roles and gifts and callings. But sin used that to make them feel like they didn't belong because watch their response in this moment. In Exodus 20, 19, as the people, the multitude stood at the mountain, they said this, Then they said to Moses, You speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. You know why? Because sin will make you feel like you do not belong. And this is the giving of the law. In Romans 3.20, Paul says that the law was given to bring about the knowledge of sin. So right here we see an Old Testament type in the giving of the law that the law and boundaries and things because of sin brings the knowledge of sin to the multitude and they feel like, you know what, I don't belong. So sin will make you feel like you don't belong. Secondly, sin will make you not want to belong. Sin will make you not want to be in your here, in your place. Sin will make you not want to belong in the place that God has placed you. Watch this. Sin will not make you want to belong in God's distinctions and boundaries that are necessary because of what's happened on the earth. Then I'll have time to go into this, but if you read Genesis 3, Do you know why now there's distinctions between the role in marriage, male and female? Because of sin. It came after sin. Read it. Because of sin. Sin made roles and boundaries necessary. But then sin seeks to use that truth and turn against that reality against us to then not want to belong in the designation. Meaning now sin has males who don't want to belong and be males. Females who don't want to belong the fact that they're females. It makes me also think about space exploration. Do you know the U.S. government spent about $54.6 billion with the B in 2021 on its space programs? In 2021, the world spent $92 billion Mankind has launched 8,378 satellites into space. The space industry will reach 800 billion in the next 10 years. Now there's many reasons for this, but let me tell you a foundational reason. is because sin makes us humans not want to belong in our here. Sin makes us discontent. Sin makes us ungrateful. Sin makes us not realize the purpose of God and the plan of God for us on the earth. 
And so we begin to imagine maybe we were created for somewhere else, for another place. Can I just tell you when you think about that? Two words, moon suits. Moon suits. Moon suits, when you see astronauts in moon suits, that is the clear evidence that the moon is not your place. You don't need to be Einstein or a genius or a mathematician or a scientist. When you think about moon suits, there's your sign. The moon's not your place, friend. It's not where you belong. You don't belong. That's not your here. But sin will make you not want to belong where God created you to belong, where God fits you for, where you don't need a moon suit. You see also uniqueness gone wrong. You know, we all have unique fingerprints. So there's uniqueness about us, and we should treasure uniqueness. You know, even though uh, twins share, obviously, very exact DNA, they don't share the same fingerprint. Why? Because there's still uniqueness. Each individual is unique, created by God. But though that's true, sin makes uniqueness go wrong. Where now we want to be so unique we don't fit in or want to fit in anywhere. We say, you know what, I don't want to belong to what's happened on the earth. When I look and read history and I read wars and I read religions and I read what man have done, I no longer want to belong to the human race. I want to now identify that I'm a dog. I'm a tractor. How do you get people that actually do that? Because sin will make you not want to belong. And sin can push that fact of you wanting to be so unique and not belonging to extremes where you'll identify with anything in order not to belong. It's uniqueness gone wrong. It's identity gone wrong. Where now they say, I'm going to identify as a, and then fill in the blank. This is pride gone crazy. Why? Because Paul talked about how can the humans, the vessels, tell the maker, why did you make me this way? He says that's an utter demonstration of pride towards God the Creator. So sin will make you feel you don't belong. Sin will make you not want to belong. Next, sin will make you think you do not belong. See, there's the pride of, when you think about this, of that I'm better than. Sin uh, seek to make you and I think, you know what, I don't belong with them because I'm better with them. I, 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 don't, be, I don't belong with this issue that humans face because I'm better than them. But sin will also make you think you do not belong in the other way. It'll make you think you're less than other humans. It'll seek to degrade you and devalue you. To say you're not worthy, you're not good enough like other people. I don't belong with them because I'm less than them. I remember when I was being thrust out by God 
and His mercy for my waywardness and intentional rebellion out of the pain and trauma of my childhood and youth. And I remember that I visited for the first time a church as I was visiting a friend in South Georgia. And uh, this church was having a, a worship night. And they were uh, Baptist Costals. They were a group of people who were hungry and thirsty for the purpose that our here includes God's presence and a real genuine walk with God. So I went that night. I hadn't been in the manifest presence of God in years and had only been in encountering God's manifest presence a couple times in my church tradition. And I remember as they began to worship God and enter into the Spirit, just a hungry bunch of people open to God's Spirit. I got up for my friend. I was sitting, I, I walked to the very back of this little church and I crawled under a pew. And for the entire night, just bawled and didn't move. What's interesting is that I had opened my life up through sin and substance abuse to so many lies of the devil and oppression that in that moment, I felt like I was the Antichrist. Literally, that's what I heard. You don't belong here. You're, you're going to be the Antichrist. Well, a couple months later, I realized, well, that's not the case. I'm, and a couple years proved out, I'm not going to be the Antichrist. But you know what? Sin doesn't give up. Because then sin said, okay, well, I can't make you think that you're going to be the Antichrist. Well, then sin began to tell me, you're just a false believer. So I'd start attending church again. And sin would make me think, I don't belong here. I'm a false brethren that I didn't turn my life back over to Jesus because I attended and heard a sermon. I turned my life back to the Lordship of Jesus because God and His mercy spared my life, brought me out of a mental hospital, tried once to go back and the same demons of torment were there when I got high again, and I don't have a choice. God apprehended me and said, no longer. You're called of me. You know you were called of me. You confess me. Now's the time. Well, then from there, sin don't give up. Went from thinking, thinking antichrist to false believer to then, well, you're a misfit. So you know you're part of the body of Christ. There's just no church body that you'll ever fit in. See, sin will make you think you do not belong. I want to talk a moment about the pain of rejection. Did you know that the brain treats rejection the same as physical pain? See, there's things in life that it's easy for me to sort of laugh at or joke at because I, I've never been in that place to know that. To know the delusions or the lies of the enemy to get someone to believe that. Right? So like when I say there's people identifying as a tractor, that's funny. 
And that is sin making things go way wrong. But to that person who's identifying to that, it's not funny. There's so much of a warp and so much of sin in the enemy that to them it makes sense, though it's not sensible. I say that to say that when it comes to suicidal oppression and thoughts, I know how people get to that place because I've been in that place. I know how people feel motivated and and, and the thinking that goes beyond that because I've been there. And science shows that the pain of rejection, our brain processes the same as physical pain. Physical pain. In fact, according to research from Case Western Reserve University, exposure to rejection led participants in a study to have an immediate drop in reasoning by 30% and in IQ by 25%. It was also determined that feelings of rejection led participants to becoming more aggressive and exhibit less self-control. Research out of the University of Michigan suggests that not only does the brain process rejection like it does physical injury, but that personality traits such as resilience are vital to how we process pain. The brain's natural pain-killing response varies between humans, with some releasing more opiates, opiates during social rejection than others, meaning that some have a stronger or more adaptive protective ability. The more opiate release, the greater reduction in pain and possibly a greater experience of pleasure when someone feels that they've been socially accepted or validated. See, rejection, and when you're sinned against by people through rejection, feels to us just like physical pain. Correct. Except we spend as humans more time rehearsing rejection and that type of pain than being able to rehearse and experience physical beatings or or physical type abuse. And sin will use that to constantly try to tell you you don't belong. And I want to tell you, we're going to get there. You do belong. And things can get better. And God's made a way. And your today don't have to be your tomorrow. And there is hope. And there's a God of hope. There's a God of restoration. So sin will make you feel you don't belong. Sin will make you not want to belong. And sin will make you think you do not belong. This brings us to our main text we read up front. 1 Peter 2.10 Who once were not a people but are now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy but have now obtained mercy. God and His Gospels provided mercy for you and I, wherever you're at. And God has now made a way that where you feel like you don't belong, you feel less than human, you feel like you're worthless, or you feel better than others, God's made a way for you to belong as His people in His presence. This leads us to the good news. Jesus will make you feel you belong. That where sin will make you feel like you don't belong, Jesus will make you feel you belong. 
In Ephesians 1 and verse 3, Paul starts off his letter to Ephesus. Of course, it was a to be a circular letter, meaning they passed it to churches in that region. But it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. Notice that. God now in Jesus has made a way for you and I to be accepted in the Beloved. Who's the Beloved? Christ. That in Christ we are now accepted. In Christ we are now the redeemed people of God. Jesus Christ is and still is God's plan to bring us back into His plan. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus will make you feel you belong, to feel accepted. Notice it says, according to the good pleasure of His will. It was God's good pleasure. It was God's good pleasure. God was pleased to make you accepted in Christ. He was pleased to reconcile and bring you back to Him. He was pleased. Why? Because you belong here in God's presence. You belong here in this planet walking with God. Hallelujah. I think about David and sheep. You know, David was an Old Testament type of New Testament realities. Paul makes that clear in Romans 15 of the Old Testament, and it's applicable to you and I in the New Covenant. But, you know, David was a great shepherd. If you don't know the story of David, David, of course, was a shepherd. I just mentioned that. But David was a great shepherd, not just a good, because he killed a bear that came to attack the sheep. He killed a lion. That's a great shepherd. Hirelings would just leave. They wouldn't even try to fight. David didn't just fight. He killed the bear and he killed the lion. But the issue is, as though David is a great shepherd, David still is not a sheep. He's a human. He's made in God's image. And sure, he's a great shepherd out in the fields. It's him and, and the sheep and everything's going great. But, but David is not a sheep. He's a human. But the people around him didn't think that much of him. They might have thought he was... You know, just a little above sheep. Because when God was ready to replace King Saul and anoint a new king, He sends the prophet Samuel to a man named Jesse's house. Jesse was David's father. And seven sons of Jesse passed before the prophet. And every time God said, nope, they're not the one who's going to be king next. So the prophet starts scratching his head, saying, this is interesting. I know God sent me here. So the prophet says in 1 Samuel 16, 11, says to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Do you have any other sons? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Here's the point. This is a type. That where people have made us feel outcast, where, pe- where sin has made us feel outcast, in Christ you and I are the one. 
We are the beloved of the Lord. We are made accepted. And in Christ, we, Christ means the anointed. We are anointed in Him. In Christ, you are beloved. So Jesus will make you feel you belong. And Jesus will make you want to belong. Mark chapter 5, there's the story in Jesus and His ministry as He was ministering. He's going across the sea and a great storm arose. It's very possible that the storm that came out of nowhere was demonic influence. Because when He got to the other side, there was a man that was possessed by demons. Hundreds and hundreds of demons lived in this man. He lived in the graveyards, in the tombs. He was a wild man, couldn't be contained. They even tried to lock him up and he'd break the chains. But the man is delivered by Jesus from demons and the strongholds. And in Mark 5, 18 it says this, And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed, watch this, begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. What do we see? We see someone going from dwelling in the graves to going for the kingdom. This is what Jesus does. Jesus will make you want to belong. Notice once Jesus delivers him and he gets saved, guess what he wants to do? He wants to be a part of Jesus' work. He says, it just says, it says he begged that he might get in the boat and continue with Jesus in his ministry. What do you see here? This is the effects of Jesus. Jesus makes us want to belong. Jesus makes us want to manifest his kingdom and be a a part of the Father's work. Jesus makes us want to be involved in the redemptive story of mankind. This is what He does. Of course, Jesus didn't permit Him because this is, in Jesus' ministry, this is later in His ministry. And He had already led other followers through a process that then prepared and qualified them to be a part of Jesus' ministry team. Okay, But notice the effects of Jesus made him instantly want to be a part of what Jesus was doing. But see, Jesus sent him home to be with family. He sent him home to be with family. Why? Because Jesus wanted him to get involved in the story of people that he had been disconnected from for years, his own family and friends. And of course, God uses him. He becomes the bishop of those ten cities. Great work of the Lord's done there. The point is this. Jesus will make you want to belong in what He's doing on the earth. He'll make you want to get involved and say, Lord, use my hands. Lord, send me back into my family or back into my friends or send me back into my job or back into my neighborhood. Send me back into context to to be an instrument of your goodness. Instantly the man wants to belong in the work of God's kingdom and get involved in the story of others. This is what Jesus does. So Jesus will make you feel you belong. 
Jesus will make you want to belong. And Jesus will make you think, I belong. Now, if you haven't noticed, is that sin affects our humanity. And what makes you and I human is that we are made in the image of God. We are spirit, soul, and we have a body. And the soul is our feelings, our will, and our mind. And sin affects all those aspects of our soul. But God in Jesus has provided a redemption to redeem and bring back our feelings and our will and our mind back into God's original intent. So that's why Jesus will make us feel that we belong. Jesus will make us want and desire to be belong in His work and what He's doing through His people and His church. But then Jesus also will make you and I think that we belong. When you think about Peter, if you're not familiar with his story, but, but Peter denied the Lord three times on the night of our Lord's betrayal. Now you can only imagine what type of thoughts come from that failure. You can imagine Peter thinking, I'm never going to belong again in the work of Jesus and the being used of Jesus. We know there was some level to that because afterwards he gave up preaching the kingdom and he went back to his old job. He went back to fishing. Jesus, after his resurrection, he in John 21 appears, of course, to him many times, but in this time, and in verse 15 through 19, Jesus tells Peter three things. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep, feed my sheep. What's Jesus doing? Jesus is making him think, I do belong in what God's doing. Despite my failures in this growth process of learning to be a disciple and follower of Jesus, Jesus makes Peter think, I belong. So much so that, guess what? After Jesus ascended, Peter's in the upper room waiting for the promise. Peter's waiting for the outpouring of God's Spirit. Peter's there praying. And then on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit's poured out, Peter so much thinks that he belongs that he gets up and interprets and preaches the first New Testament sermon. And a thousand men get saved and trust in Jesus. What do you see? You see that God in and through Jesus will make you and I think, I belong. I belong in the body of Christ. I belong in God's presence. I belong for such a time as this. I belong in being used of God. I belong in walking in good works that God created for me in Christ Jesus. What about Paul? Paul, of course, was previously known as Saul. And he persecuted those that followed Jesus early. He persecuted and arrested many people for following Jesus. In fact, the first martyr, Stephen, of Jesus says that the clothes of those who picked up the stones and, and killed Stephen, they laid at the feet of Saul. Saul then encounters Jesus and Jesus says, hey, you're persecuting me. He says, who are you? He says, I'm Jesus. Paul, of course, surrenders to the lordship of Jesus. He 
becomes a preacher and then a teacher. And then he reaches his high calling of an apostle and he starts planting churches and then he writes most of the New Testament books. How does that happen? Because Jesus will make you think, I belong. Regardless of your past, regardless of how you hated God before, regardless how you couldn't stand gathering with God's people or or worshiping God or being a part of God's purpose, Jesus will make you think, no, I belong. I belong as a worshiper. I belong as being used of God. I belong in God's presence. Jesus will make you think, I belong. Come on, band. Lastly, you belong at dwelling place. Maybe you've wondered it as you visited the first time or several times or been here a long time. You think, do I belong at dwelling place? Well, I want to make it real simple. Do you desire to learn? Listen up. Do you desire to learn? Do you desire to grow? Are you open to learn how to worship the way God is seeking in spirit and in truth? If you're open to worshiping God in truth and spirit, you belong here. Because the Father is seeking worshipers. Are you open? If you're open, you belong here. This is a church, I don't know if you know, but one of the core values is maturity journey. It's leading people on the journey of maturing for wherever we started in this journey of coming back to reality and truth and God and understanding our purpose and how God created us and then how God has spoken and revealed His will through His Son, Jesus Christ. Wherever you started, but that we're on a journey of maturing into the high calling that God has for us in Christ. To become conformed to His image and His kingdom assignment. It's a journey. And on this journey, God's just looking for people who are open. Open to grow of learning what it looks like to worship God in truth and worship God in the Spirit. Those that are seeking God. See, I've heard a lot in the last 30 years about seeker churches. Churches that are designed for those that are seeking the issue is, is that research has proven even the main person who was known in starting that model acknowledged that that church model's failed to reach God's intent for His people. But I tell you what model we are. A seeking God church. A church that says, Lord, we're, we're not looking to make a church for what people are seeking because the church of Jesus Christ means we exist for Father what you're seeking. And Jesus said the Father is seeking those that will worship in spirit and in truth. And so I just want to tell you you belong here if you're open. Open to truth. Open to examine what you believe. What you've been taught. What secular society seeks to label and declare over you to examine it in the light of the declaration that God's given concerning this resurrected victorious son Jesus Christ who is the word, the will and the way of God for some of you you're further on the journey you're further 
You've been in churches and God's led you on this journey. And for some of you, you're further and you're wondering, do I belong at Dwelling Place? Well, I'm going to tell you, if you're looking for a holistic church, if you're looking for a church that won't just gather but will also grow, if you're looking for a church that values growth phases and and a context that gives the pattern of sound teaching just as much as what happens on Sundays, this is your place. If you're looking for a church that will not just grow, but will also group together and learn to do life in God's kingdom together. If you're looking for a church that won't just group, but also will give of ourselves and give of our resources and give of the talents and the treasures and the gifts God's given us back to Him for His use, this is for you. If you're looking for a church of shared leadership, that an empowering model, a plurality of, of leaders, this is for you. If you're looking for a spirit-empowered church, if you're looking for a church that still believes that God pours out His Spirit on men and women, on young and old, this is for you. If you're looking for a church that's multi-generational and multicultural, this church dwelling place is for you. And isn't it good to know that God has spoken and God has performed and God has acted in His Son, Jesus Christ, and Jesus will make you feel you belong no matter how long you felt unloved, how long you felt like an outcast, how long you felt like you don't belong in what God's doing. Jesus, through the work of the Holy Spirit and His blood and redemption, will make you feel, I belong. Jesus will make you want to belong. To not be so unique that you're missing out on how God is working through local churches all over the earth. How God is working through His body. But you say, no Lord, my uniqueness is to be surrendered to You so that I can belong to what You're doing. The advancement of Your kingdom. Use me, Lord, to destroy the works of the enemy. Use me to glorify the risen King. And Jesus will make you think, I belong. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.